Today we're continuing this, and today's message is going to be very, very practical. Probably more than any other talk in this series. Today I'm going to be very practical, helping you leave here today with things that you can easily do to help you in your prayer life, to help you grow in prayer. And I've kind of set this up, so basically the topic for today, what I'm calling this, is uh, the five dimensions of prayer. Now, this will make sense in a few minutes, I promise, okay? But just kind of kick this off, maybe just kind of show of hands on this. How many of you like uh, 3D movies? Any of you? There's a few hands going up, 3D movies, okay? I'll admit, when 3D movies started coming out, I thought it was a scam, I really did. I thought this is just a way for like the Hollywood movie executives to get more money out of me. I mean, movies are already expensive, especially if you're trying to bring like a family of four to go to a movie, budget like 150 bucks to do that. And then throw in the 3D glasses, well, budget another 50 bucks for that upgrade to 3D movies. So originally I was not a big fan until I saw the movie Avatar. Remember avatars, the blue monkey people, okay, and just kind of jumping around on this alien planet called Pandora? The movie was, story-wise, was terrible. It was like Pocahontas in space. Like, it had no story, okay? But you put those glasses on, and I was like, I'm on Pandora. This is amazing. I'm in the spaceship. I'm flying on the the banshee dragon thing. This is incredible. Mind-blowing. And then I went to go see a regular, ordinary, flat, boring 2D movie after that. I was like, this movie stinks. It's boring. It's not engaging. And then something else happened. A couple of years after going to Avatar, I went to Disney World. And they have these new movies now at Disney World where it's not just in 3D. They sit you down in this chair. And the chair moves. It brings you around from room to room. It's tossing you. It's lifting you. It's doing all this stuff. This alien shows up in front of you, and he spits acid on you, and you get wet. It's like, or this bug sneezes on you and farts, and you can smell the fart. I'm like, what is that? There's just every single sense is being engaged in this. It's like, this is amazing. And then I go back to the regular, boring, non-3D, no-moving-chair-no-bug-smelling-farts movies. It's like, it's boring. Now, what does this have to do with prayer? I know this is what you're thinking. Pastor Kevin has gone loopy again. He was up way too late last night and had too much coffee. What does this have to do with prayer? Do you find your prayer life boring, flat, same old, same old? Maybe the problem is because you're praying in two dimensions. That you're not opening yourself up to the ways that God wants you to meet with him. The way he wants you to be praying to him. So we're going to actually look at what the Bible teaches us about different ways that we can pray to God. Five different dimensions. Five different ways to engage our relationship with God through prayer. So I'm going to encourage you. You want to write these five things down. They're going to be very practical. Things that you can easily do, easily implement in your life. I want you to write them down so you can talk about them in your life group this week. Because I know what's going to happen. Because you are exactly like me. You're going to hear this stuff. You're going to say, that's awesome. You're going to write it down. And you're going to throw away that piece of paper and never do any of these five things I share with you. And I know that because you're like me. I don't do it either. 
unless I ask someone to hold me accountable to this. And I meet on Thursday morning with a bunch of other pastors, and when I want to make a change in my life, I tell them, you have permission to kick me lovingly, to hold me. I need to implement this. Would you hold me accountable? Would you ask me that I'm doing these things? That's why we do this together to grow spiritually. So I want you talking about those things in your group this week. And we're going to be taking communion together as part of this as well, because the five things that we are going to talk about when it comes to prayer are perfectly illustrated when Christians come together to take communion. And if you're watching this online, I'd encourage you right now, grab a piece of bread and grab some juice or whatever you got. If you're in a time zone where it's okay for you to be drinking wine right now, knock yourself out. That's between you and God. But uh, grab something. If all you have at home is Poutine and Pepsi, that's okay too. Okay, but I just encourage you to grab something. So I want to talk very practically five different dimensions, five ways that you and I can pray to get out of two-dimensional, flat, boring prayer. The first is this, is to look backwards to the cross. I look backwards to the cross. See, if you were to look at your life, if I was to look at my life and just examine my life as it is right now, when life is good, it's easy to feel very grateful to God. I'm healthy, I'm able to pay my bills, I have a job that I enjoy, my kids aren't driving me crazy, my relationship with my spouse is really good. Very easy to feel grateful for God, to God. But what about when life is hard? When life is difficult? When maybe your, your relationship is not going great, whether it's with a spouse or with your kids, whether there are health issues at play in your life or a family member's life, whether you're struggling with finances or struggling with a career, whether you're dealing with the stress of school and exams. And when we, we become so focused on where we're at, we can lose our gratitude to God. So you and I need to look backwards. We need to look backwards to the cross of Jesus Christ. Because God didn't prove his love for you by making your life comfortable today. God didn't prove his love to you by answering your prayers. God proved his love to you by having Jesus die on the cross for you. The ultimate expression of God's love was the fact that Jesus died for you. And when you and I intentionally look backwards as we pray, that we take times to look back at the cross, it grows in us a spirit of gratitude for what God has done. Look at how Peter describes this gift that we've received from Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 11 and, uh, sorry, 18 and 19. Peter writes, God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life. He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. I love the language that Peter uses here is that God paid a ransom. I just think about that word ransom for a moment. Maybe you've seen some other Hollywood movies of some rich guy or some former military guy and his family's kidnapped by someone and they're holding the child or spouse ransom. And they want $10 million. Well, the guy doesn't have $10 million, but he's got a whole bunch of Uzis and tanks and he's going to go just blow everybody up and get his family member back. 
Okay? You and I, when we deal with kind of this cap- people in captivity, we don't have $10 million. We don't have all these Uzis and tanks to deal with the people who would take people captive, who would hold people ransom. But that is what sin has done in our world, is that the human race is captive by sin. Whether we know it or even want to acknowledge it, we are captives of sin. And no, no human being is exempt from this. All of us are at one point captives to sin. But God paid a ransom. He paid so we could be set free from sin. He paid a price so that that we couldn't pay. And he paid this ransom to save us from an empty life. I love how the New Living Translation calls that, that empty life, that life far from God, that life with no purpose, that life that's meaningless, that life that is just kind of completely smothered by sin and death. Is God paid a ransom for you. When we spend time thinking of that, of remembering that, of praying thanksgiving to God for that, it radically changes our hearts. We're not just expressing gratitude because God's blessing me with money and good health. But we're expressing this gratitude that I am freed from the empty life. I'm free from being separated from God. I think as Western Christians, um, we've forgotten what we've been saved from. I think we're so used to church and church just being always there and always around and always accessible. And I've gone to it my whole life. We forget what we have been set free from. And sadly, when we forget that, I think too many Christians are literally sitting on a bench in prison and the door is wide open. But Christians are sitting in their own jail cells, still dealing with sin, still dealing with death, and not realizing that the door is wide open for you. Because Jesus paid a price. Jesus has set the captive free. He paid a ransom that you and I could not pay, and he paid it on the cross. When the full wrath of God against sin was put on Jesus instead of on us. So, That radically changes how you and I pray when we look backwards. When we look backwards, we are reminded how much God loves us. That he didn't expect me to be this religious boy, this religious girl. He's not expecting me to obey 613 commandments. He's not ready to throw a lightning bolt at me if I get one of those 613 commandments wrong. But he loves me. He loves me so much that he would send Jesus to die for me. When we look backwards to the cross, we are reminded of how much it cost God to deal with evil in the world. We are reminded of how much this cost God to deal with sin, to pay for sin. And when we look backwards to the cross, we are completely, sorry, we're reminded of how completely and totally we have been forgiven. Whoever the Son has set free is free indeed. 
So we look backwards to the cross. And that could be just such a simple way to start praying. It's taking a moment to reflect backwards on the cross of Christ. To say, thank you. I've been a Christian now for 20 years. I became a Christian in 1997 at the age of 26 years old. And I still marvel at the fact that God would die for me. There are days where I sit there and go, I'm not worth it. I'm not. I'm not all that special. I'm not all that great. But when I look back to the cross, it just reminds me of just how awesome God is. That he would die for us. Die for me. And that just brings me, a level, brings me to a level of gratitude that nothing else can bring me to. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. A free trip to Disney World? Well, that's close. No, I'm kidding. Not even close. It's not the same. It's not about the circumstances. When we reflect backwards, just a little bit every day to remind us what we've been saved from. Remind us that God loves us, that he died for us. When we start praying that way, it opens up a new dimension to prayer. So that's the first dimension. Look backwards. The second dimension when it comes to prayer is I look upward. I look upward to my father's loving face. Um, if you, I, I think this one more than anything has radically changed how I pray. And, and it's this. Um, if you feel like prayer is flat, if you feel like prayer is just kind of, you're just kind of going through the motions, um, you need to refocus who you are praying to. You see, when I first became a Christian 20 years ago, I was in awe of the Lordship of God. Because again, I kind of grew up kind of thinking, 